Welcome to the Sales Influence Podcast, where we talk about finding the why and how people buy. I'm your host, Victor Antonio. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for lending me your ears. And if you're watching this on video, thank you for letting me the eyeballs. Today, I got the one and only, the man himself, Morgan Ingram. How you doing, brother? I'm doing absolutely fantastic. How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. I was going to tell you, uh, before the interview, I was going to tell you a story. I said, no, I lo- let me save it for this uh, the podcast itself. I met you when I went to an event in Terminus, right? And I, I think you were registering people. You had a VP speaker. And what was that event? Do you remember what that event was about? Yeah, so it was our very first event uh, for the, the Enterprise Sales Forum. I was the GM and just was starting out doing events. And it was around... Like, how do you be a top performer like AE? And we brought in a VP of sales to talk about like, what should you be doing to get to that level? Now, here's what's funny. This is what I did want to tell you off camera because I wanted to get it on on the record, so to speak. (laughs) So I had not been to a networking event, hear a public speaker event, not joking, five, seven years up to that point. I'm like, too Mm -hmm. busy. And his friend Ali invited me to go. So I go to this event, right? And I get there, here's the funny part. I get there and I see all these 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 young folk, right? If I could put it that way, because I'm a little older, right? And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, they're in shorts, they're in like Bahama, you know, Tommy Bahama t-shirts, <laughs> you know. And I'm like, and then they're drinking beer at the, uh, you know, at the thing, and I'm going, yep. What happened? Did I just wake up like Rip Van Winkle? Did I just wake up to a new reality? I was like, and, and I'm like going. I, I, I dig this, man. So anyway, that was to me was like an awakening how much things have changed. We would never have imagined that in my day, man. So anyway, that was my first experience. I was like, holy buckets. But, but Morgan, that's too funny. Yeah, it is, man. So anyway, Morgan, the reason I wanted to talk to you was you popped up. On, like I said, I met you there, but you really popped up on my radar when you started doing something called the SDR Chronicles. And before we get into the SDR Chronicles, let the folks know a little bit about yourself, you know, a little background, what you're doing now, and then we'll jump into that. Yeah, so I never wanted to go in sales. <laughs> like, you know, I didn't wake up like, oh, I really want to get in sales. Like, it was the last thing that I wanted to do. I heard so many negative things about sales, and I'm not a pushy, aggressive person. So, like, all right, like, that's just not where I want to go. So, when I was when I was growing up and I'm born and raised out of Atlanta, Georgia, nothing crazy. Mom and dad still together, two younger brothers. And, you know, I was was looking for what got me really excited. I will say this before I get into college. What I did, what got me the most excited and the most passionate was video games at hmm. first. Like I wanted to be a professional gamer way before it was cool. But my mom's like, oh, you can't make money from those games. And now I send them articles every week being like, hey, uh, this person's making a million dollars a year playing games. You probably should let me keep playing the games. But that's a whole other story, right? But the whole thing at the end of the day is that that's where I found my competitiveness at. Like I ended up playing a game called Halo 2. I went really deep into that, ended up getting really good at the game, ended up getting on a semi-pro team and played in like competitive leagues so it got like really yeah it got like really serious really quick and i just i fell in love with it and then that's when my just competitiveness started being like okay i'm really fired up about this that led into playing basketball in high school and other things but gaming is where it really started like we had practice and everything victor Mm -hmm. was nuts that is nuts (laughs) i I can't even imagine practicing a video game man but by the way my my son's into it man like his whole thing now i think i think it's Fortnite is this big thing you know so he's just like on that man and he said the same thing i like to make money at this man like a million you know other young folk right out there so dude you were always competitive then right so you were just from the beginning you were like uh 
Yeah, and it, but the thing is, it's it's just so different now because, like, in terms of sales, right? Because like you were, we were trash talking in Halo. Like, you got your mic and you're like, "Yo, you suck." You know what I'm like, like, and basketball's the same way. Like, you could talk trash, right? And sales is you know is different. I mean, like, you do your thing and like it's you versus you. Right. I, like when I was playing games and I was playing basketball, it was like we were going up against something and it always got like me like fired up. So like mm. if you didn't come to play, like you were going to get rocked and there's like nothing you can say. Right. So I, I always had that. And then as I was watching movies and started getting into that, I saw Jerry Maguire. Mm. Show me the money. That's right, man. Right? We all we all know that, right? So, so I was want, like, all right. Want, hey, by the way, we want the Quan. That's what we want, the Quan. <laughs> So, so it's, it's funny. Like, I feel like this question should not be asked anymore. When you get to college, they're like, Hey, what's your major freshman Mm. year? And it's like, I have no idea. Like you don't really know it's like junior year. So my follow up question was what makes the most money? (laughs) And I was like, they were like finance. I was like, all right, I'm finance. (laughs) I I didn't even care. I was like, I'm finance. Right. So what happened is that in college at the university of georgia i graduated finance and also sports management because i wanted to get into sports be a sports agent so i figured all right if i can understand finance if i can understand sports management then both of those combined will help me get that job so i did a lot of networking a lot of events i cold emailed a lot of different people to get their advice uh in the sports industry and also being a sports agent uh, but at the end of the day, I realized, uh, yeah, um, being a sports agent was was ridiculous and insane. Uh, sports management ticket sales way too low of entry point, and then finance was just boring, and I didn't like any of the people in it. So, so then I had to figure out what am I what am I gonna do? So I went to a local networking event here in Atlanta, and that's where we just talked about the event. I cold called the VP of Sales at Terminus to start out as an SDR job because I figured if I want to learn about being an SDR then the best thing I could do is work at a company based on something I'm passionate about, which was marketing. Because originally I wanted to go be a marketer, but they rejected me. So I was like, all right, let me go, let me go do something else. Dude, there's, a, <laughs> way, there's a lot of rejection in your story, man. There's the gaming rejection. There's the finance rejection. We're going through all this whole thing. Yeah, I love it, man. You're finding there's your a way. Lot of, there's a lot of rejection along the way. I went through like 25 SDR interviews before someone was like, wow. cool, I want you. So like, I went through a lot and I almost quit on going this route because I was like, this is pointless. But that Terminus interview really was like a highlight for me because they were like, yeah, like we want you, let, let's go. And so I had no experience, didn't didn't even know what a CRM was, right? Nice. So I'm really just trying to figure it out. And the first three months sucked. I had to get it together. And then I just got really locked in and focused. And then the rest of the, the story is the story. You know, I started the SDR Chronicles, which documented my journey as an SDR and showing people like what this world's really about got promoted to an SDR manager. And then I made a video about my promotion. And then that's when John Barrows found me oh, okay. on hold YouTube. On. All right, let's hold on. Let's hold on John Barrows for a second. We're going to get to him soon. Uh, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah. But but I want to talk about, because one of the things I love about your SDR Chronicles, by the way, for those of you who've lived under a rock, it's a sales development rep. Uh, you know, and one of the things I loved about your SDR Chronicles, I mean, Obviously, for me, it, there was nothing there for me in the sense that I'm not an SDR guy, right? But what I mm. loved about your chronicles and why I would just like lean in and watch them, man, because they were, dude, they were so honest. Do you know what I mean? They were so like, they were yeah. plain talking, they were honest. And it was, to me, that was like refreshing. And I'm just giving you my perspective that even though I'm not going to be an SDR, it was like, 
oh, dude, this guy's like giving me a little view into his world, and it's really cool. You're not trying to sugarcoat it. You're not trying to make yourself look good. You were like, all right, let me show you how this happened. How it went down, and damn, what happened there? You know, so you know, I was like, I love this guy. I was like, he's honest as hell, which was very refreshing, man. So talk about some of your like your SDR, you know, things that you chronicled that you know, just share with the folks a little bit of what you talk about. Yeah, so I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I was first and foremost, really nervous about it to some degree because mm -hmm. I had only been in the role for four and a half, five months. <laughs> so, but, and but everyone see, on LinkedIn. But, but, I, but, I, but I, think, <laughs> I think that's the best time to do it. See, I, you know, and, and let me, yep. I, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I think this is interesting. Is that, no, go, no, because, go. Because people are always like, well, you know, you gotta be, you, you mentally tell yourself, I gotta do this for a year, then I'll do some videos, right, on this. But I'm like, mm -hmm. no, you journal the process because you're gonna forget stuff a year from now. So I'm glad you did that. Yeah, and so so it goes into my point. I was so nervous about it. And I remember I asked the question on Facebook to Gary, Gary Vaynerchuk. I was like, hey, I'm like 20, I was like 23 at the time. It's like, hey, I'm 23. I want to create this series, but I don't want to come off as like the guru, but I do, I feel like I have valuable perspective. And he said, it's a simple man. Like, it's just, you got to document what you're doing. Like, don't sugarcoat anything. Don't say, Hey, you're doing this. Like you haven't done any of that yet, but people appreciate you sharing like what's actually happening real time and you being honest with the audience. And that really hit me. Cause I was like, all right, like I'm good. And so that's, so to your point, like that's what I came up with. Cause I was like, all right, let me just share what's going on. Like, for example, like I had a bad day. I was like, yo, this sucks. <laughs> I remember a video being like, yo, this is awful. Here are the five things that went wrong. Here's what I'm gonna do next week to get better, right? So that I can come back next week to be like, this is what I did. And also the cool thing about that, I would say too, is I learned like in real time how to handle objections. So I'd be like, hey guys, I got this objection. This is how I'm handling it. And then I come back two weeks later to be like, oh, I found the way, like this is it. So it was like me talking to me, but everyone got to be a part of those conversations. And that's what allowed for a lot of people to like truly connect with me. And I don't do a lot of content on the SCR Chronicles anymore. I've moved on past that, obviously, but people could go back and be like, okay, that was the journey. Mm -hmm. And showing people through cold calls I messed up, new techniques that I was learning, video prospecting. I've talked about that like five years ago. It's not mm -hmm. like a new concept. A lot of people think it is, but I was doing that five years ago. And just showing people like how to build a genuine brand, because I was very honest with people that a lot of things were happening very fast to me. Mm -hmm. And I was just saying, hey, like, I don't really know how to handle this, <laughs> right? <laughs> Here's what I'm doing to handle it. So those are the things that I was doing along the way. I even talked about the last point, burnout. Uh, burnout was a really big thing and how SDRs never feel like they could take a vacation because it's like it's a new slate every month. Right. It's like, all right, you hit quota. Cool. Here's yeah. a new. And it's hard. Right. So I talked about how you could take a step back and handle that burnout, reading books, taking a walk mini vacations where mm -hmm. I take like Friday and Monday off, right? Just the, those two days can make a big difference. So yeah, it was all just me just sharing in real time and being transparent in a world in sales where people don't feel like they can be because you feel like you have to be the rock star killer mm -hmm. assassin, right? Yeah, and yeah. I was just like, hey, look, like, I don't really know what I'm doing right now. Let me share with you guys. And then like, hey, it ended up going really well. And 
you know, end up being one, two every single month. So that's the key. Yeah. What I, what I love about it is that you, you got over the imposter syndrome, right? That you feel like you yep. don't share. I think the second thing you did great was obviously you got over yourself on video. You're like, ah, here's who I am. Let's just do it. I don't know what I'm doing. Here we go. But I think the yep. most important part, I think this is again, what resonated with me was that you were creating, whether you thought about it or not, you were journaling, but you're, you were also creating a very honest, I'll call it vulnerable dialogue with the folks mm -hmm. online. And people felt like they could give you feedback or even comment in a very honest way, which got you this hype. This is the, what really impressed me about your stuff is like, look at the engagement this guy's getting. And what do you, mm -hmm. I know what, I think I know why, but you tell me what, what do you attribute that to? I would say the biggest piece about it is that I, I made myself relatable. You know, I, I didn't I didn't come into it being like, hey, uh, listen to me. I've closed a million in revenue. Right. <laughs> or, hey, listen to me. I'm scheduling 60 meetings a month. It was just like I'm willing to be re I'm relatable to you all because I'm sharing with you all what's happening. That's not working. And also what can work. And I'm coming from a place of having a conversation with you versus a presentation. So we were I'm eye level with the audience. I so happen to have maybe a little bit more energy, maybe a little bit more motivational than most. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, like I still face the same struggles and I'm going through a lot of stuff that everyone else is going through. So I think the biggest piece of the core, and I'm curious to hear your feedback, Victor, but it was because I made myself relatable. And I also was doing video at the time where most people in our space weren't doing any video. It was only blog posts, Right, that was it. Right, Gary Vaynerchuk, by the way, we have a comment tie there. Uh, years ago, 2008, I think to be exact, was I was debating whether to go, what to do differently than every, all my competitors mm -hmm. in the market in terms of sales training. And that's when I went, I read Gary Vaynerchuk's book, uh, Crushing It. And in yep. there, he was like, all of it, you go video, all in. And I remember I went all in on video. And so everybody's thinking video's new. And I'm like, you, I'm like, man, I've been doing this for a while, man. And so, which, <laughs> yeah. which, which is why I can appreciate what you are doing. What are some of the things you discovered, you know, as, as you were journaling this stuff? Like, do you have any cool stories, like maybe people you've impacted or somebody gave back to you and said, hey, this is what I heard and this is what I did. Do you have anything like that? Any cool stories? Yeah, I, I do have a couple of stories. But so based on what you said earlier, because I want to make sure everyone understands it. So I said relatable. Would you say the same or was it different for you? Oh, as far as you were relatable. If I was, the thing is, if I was an SDR, you would be relatable, right? That's what mm -hmm. I mean. Since I'm not an SDR, I can't say it was relatable. I like to say right. it was just honest. And that may, I guess that made you relatable, but, but the, the word, and I mean this in the positive sense, the vulnerability, which really to me is courage to say, mm -hmm. shit, Okay, here's kind of what went wrong. <laughs> I did this, I did yeah. this, screwed up, <laughs> yeah. oh shit. Like, why did I do that, right? And then you came back yep. and you explained it. And that to me was, if that's relatability, then yes. But I thought the vulnerable honesty, and I says, dude, this guy's got courage, he's not afraid. That to me was like the big, wow, I dig this dude. Yeah, I, th I think the vulnerability is, is a part of that relatability yeah. as well. So yeah. I, I think that's, that's spot yeah. on. And yeah. that's, I've, tr I've remained consistent in that, which leads to these stories. So th this is, this story like really blew me away. So mm. someone messaged me, it's probably like me three years ago. And they were like, Hey, Morgan, been watching the SCR Chronicles religiously and consistently. Uh, my manager has not done the best job of helping us with sales development and prospecting. So I use your videos as a coaching resource. And I'm messaging you to let you know that I'm number one on my team right now. And I'm up for promotion to an AE and I never would have been there without you. That's beautiful, man. That's beautiful. I mean, that, that like, 
That hit home with me. I was like, wow. And they were like in Europe. It's like not even in the States. It's like, yeah, I'm in another country watching you. And like, this is what I'm doing right now. When you get those international ones, those are mind blowing. What, What I love about what you just said also is that you fill a gap where a gap is needed to be filled, which is the onboarding process sometimes with a lot of yep. companies. Tell me what you see with the lack of onboarding with a lot of companies maybe that you deal with or train with. Yeah, so, I mean, that's one story out of thousands that I get. And, you know, the whole the whole key is, is that when it comes to onboarding, people sometimes forget that the SDR role and, and an account executive or sales role are two different things. Right. And how that's being perceived and how they're going to market. I think number one is they don't show them what personas they're talking to and why. If you ask an SDR, hey, why are you talking to a VP of marketing? Why are you talking to a CISO? Most people can't answer that question for you. They're just like, yeah, that's someone's supposed to call. But it's like, why? Like, do you know why this person's relevant? Like, why are you talking to this person every single day? Most people surprisingly cannot give you a answer that would make sense. It's just like, just cause. I think that's number one. I think number two is, and we did this as part of our onboarding, is most SDRs don't know what an executive's calendars look like. So when you start your role, like your calendar is not popping, right? <laughs> it's normally your first or second, third job out of college. So, right. you know, you don't have like a crazy schedule. So you don't really know how other people's schedule are. So you get into your role, you make emails, you do your calls and you're long winded and you're not straight to the point And you don't know why people tell you to be straight to the point. People's eyes open when we would bring in the CEO, the CMO. And obviously depends on our bigger company is if you could do this and we say, hey, like, look at the CEO's calendar, back to back to back to back to back, mm-hmm. right? Blocks everywhere, right? Hey, CMO, can you come here? Blocks everywhere. And so we were like, this is what you're going up against. Mm-hmm. Yes, you're going up against the competitors, but you're also going against their time. So if you're not relevant, if you're not adding an insight that's going to get them to think, yeah, your email's probably going to get deleted. It's probably not going to get looked at. So like that was the biggest, that was one of the biggest pieces. And we also, as a side note, would bring in the people that we would be talking to. So we went after marketers. So we brought in the VP of marketing. We brought in the CMO to talk to the team, to be like, what do you look at? Right. I love that, that, man. Way to go, man. I love that. I don't know know why people do that. That's a great idea, man. I don't understand like why just like, okay, we're going to CISOs. Let's bring our CISO in. Let's yeah. talk to our CISO. Like, I it's was, right in front of you. I got, I got to tell you. So I was listening to an interview with uh, Chris Orlob over at Gong.io. Love the company, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and he was, it was uh, John Barrels was on there. This was two years ago. And also uh, Mark Roberge, who wrote the Acceleration Formula, I think. Yep. And one of yep. the things that Mark Roberge said in there that was interesting, he said, what we did on onboarding process, really what kind of what you're talking about, because they didn't know who they were selling to. They didn't understand the persona. As I always say, they, mm-hmm. they weren't puking or vomiting and feeling that pain with the persona that they actually made them build like their own website, try to generate leads, like build their own mini business. And then mm-hmm. for 30 days to see what, you know, marketers needed or companies needed so they could really empathize when they had the conversation, which is exactly what you're saying. It's one thing to know the title. It's two to feel their pain on a daily basis. Exactly. And so your 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 tone changes when you're on the phone, the way you write changes right to, to your point. And if you don't know that, then, yeah, you're going to go through the motions and you're going to be really fluffy and no one's going to pay attention to you. And my last point in terms of onboarding is 
making sure that you're drilling into the certain pieces of outbound prospecting. So when most people, when they do the onboarding, it's like, all right, cool. We're only going to focus on cold calling. We're only going to focus on email. It's no, what is your email best practices? Give them a formula. What's your best practice with cold calling? Okay. Here's the formula. Here's the best practices with video. Here's a formula, social selling. Here's a formula. You notice every single time I said formula, what happens with onboarding and the biggest mistake is you take the top performer and say, Hey, say what they say. Mm -hmm. Well, that's not going to help because they may have a certain style that I can't replicate. Correct. Like if I said, hey, everyone needs to create the SR Chronicles. I was like, what? <laughs> like, yeah. I, that, that's, that's my style. That's my personality. You can't replicate that. So, But what we can replicate is what is the formula that the top rep has? Okay, they have an intro. They have a value prop. They have a call to action. All right, so everyone needs this. When they write emails, it's two to six sentences. So you need to be around there. Here's how you can do that. I think one of the biggest misses is managers that were sales reps will take their top people, say, hey, go do it like this top person because I was a top person, so you should do it like me, instead of breaking it down to a formula that anyone could absorb and to, can accelerate their results. Though, I mean, those are the three main things that we did in onboarding mm -hmm. so that people came in and they were hitting results pretty quickly. I love that. By the way, you said something. You kind of snuck it in there real quickly, but I noticed it. You said, but it was good. It was like you said, when you're calling an executive, you're just not competing against your competitor. You're competing with their time. And I think that, you, yep. know, you, you hit that dead on because that's really a competition sometimes is they don't have the bandwidth. And so I love that, Matt. By the way, and you're seeing now changes in the SDR world, I'm sure, with a lot of the, uh, the tools out there. Give me some insight mm -hmm. into... You know, Victor, this is how I did it two, three years ago, but now here's some of the tools I'm using today to make me more effective. Kind of give me some insight on that. Yeah, so a, a lot of the a lot of the tools are the same, but there's some more that have upgraded. Like, for example, I use Owler quite a bit back great. in the day, and mm -hmm. and it's a great tool. Yet now it's not free, right? It used to be like free where you could get as many accounts as possible. Right now you gotta pay for it, right? So you, you might not have that budget, right? So that's like one thing that I that I would point out. And but it's the same. Sales navigator, you I used that back in the past, still mm -hmm. use it today. Vidyard, right? They were around back. Now they're here, right? I think of a, another one. Uh, Crystal Nose actually was back in the day, if you guys don't know about that one, where you can see people's disc profiles on side their, inside their LinkedIn profile. So these are things I was using years ago. It's just Hello. not yeah. a lot of people talked about them because not a lot of people were making content. So and by, by the way, I, I want to emphasize because you're saying some good stuff and people go, what is he talking about? So Owler, Owler Owl, E-R, I think it is, uh, allows you to look up companies and backgrounds and profiles of actual companies, and make, but also track like press releases, something that's happened, some trigger events. So then, and then Crystal knows is great because it gives you, as you say, a disk profile of the actual person. If you go on LinkedIn, you hit the button, magical things happen with AI, you get a disk profile, yep. which to your point, Morgan, you said, it's not so much the formula, but you got to figure out how to adjust your pitch. How do you say things, the tone and so forth. And that kind of allows you to do that. If the person's analytical, get to the point. If they're more social, eh, let's chat. And then obviously any other CRM type platform, engagement platform that you use. So I love the way you wrap that up. Absolutely. So so tell me about the uh, Muffins with Morgan. What is that, <laughs> man? Dude, what is that? Yeah. Let's let's talk about it. So, and I want to add on to the tools, and I want to come back to muffins and Morgan because okay. I, I, oh, these, these are three. No, no, these are three that are really important right now. So, number one is Sendoso, right? A Sendoso type platform. I know there's other ones out there, but 
direct mail right now, but not direct mail, digital mail. Mm. So sending people an Uber Eats or a Netflix special card, I don't know, whatever you want to do, mm. but this is a good way to follow up with people mm-hmm. and to do something different to stand out. Like that wasn't around when like I was a rep. So that's one thing. Number two is there's a tool called Ample Market. And I think Lavender is the same. Mm-hmm. So what it does is allows you to, it takes different context points on how someone writes or how they talk on LinkedIn and then can take their insights that they post on LinkedIn too, and then create like a message for you that you can then temp- really? like basically customize. Yeah, it's crazy. It's nuts. Oh man, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, let, let, like, let's pause on this one for a second. Walk me through that one again. Walk me through that one slowly because you're educating me now. So I appreciate that. What is yeah. that? So, so it's called Ample Market. Another tool is called Lavender. It's either or. I use Ample Market because that's what got introduced to me first. So what it does is, is let's say I'm on your profile. So it'll look at the things that you post. It'll look at your LinkedIn profile itself, like your experience and how you interact with other people. And so what it'll do is it'll take those insights from an AI perspective. And obviously there's a lot of backend on that. And then it'll like say, hey, here's an email that you could send if you want to. And then obviously you can go in there and modify it accordingly based on the dynamic fields you have. So it'll tell you, it'll tell you like what industry that they're in and what clients that you have that it can bring up. I think it does it through the CRM and APIs. It's nuts. Like oh, I haven't even crazy. taken it. I haven't even taken it to the next level on it. Like I've been playing around with it. I'm like, this is insane. Like if I just took a whole day, it's so crazy. So That's like, so I want to add that one in there because like it's AI and emailing is coming and just something to be mindful of. Hmm. All right. I thought you had a third one. You had a third one or no? I do. I do have a third one. So the last one, cause I want to get that point in. So the last one is, and this one, you know, you just want to, you want to play around with this one a good bit because it's helpful. Because I mentioned the email one, but let's say if you don't want to get that, hmm. there's something called the Hemingway app. I don't know if you've heard of nope. this one or not. So what it does is it, you could put it an email in there. Let's say you're writing a personalized email to get on a podcast or you're talking to someone who's an executive or whatever. You could put your email in there and then it'll tell you what the reading level of that email is and it tells tells you how long it takes for someone to read that email and it tells you how many words are in that email so typically like if you're sending an email and it's cold outbound it needs to be between a fourth and a sixth grade reading level Mm. i know what that is so if you put it in there yeah yeah, if you put it in there it's like okay you're you have a fifth grade reading level and it's like cool okay i'm writing good emails but let's say you built out a campaign and you, you want to send out to be relevant and it's based on industry and your reading level is like a 12th grade. It's too complicated. You need to dumb it down. So like, that's just something I've used as well that I want to add. And that's been like new concept, like passing year and a half. I love it. By the way, just background on that. This much I know about this one. There's that's something <laughs> called the gunning fog index, like gunning, like okay. gunning fog index. And that's what it is basically. Cause you can go online, type in gunning fog and you'll find it. You can just plaster your, text and it'll give you the actual reading level which i think is brilliant by the way and i think what is i think the average reading level is like sixth grade or something for a lot of mm-hmm. folks and i know it's, it's sad to yep. say but it's not that high <laughs> it <man>. is it's <laughs> i know we, we sound like elitist right now like but it's not that high and so you really it's got the data do, yeah it's not us right it's not us it's the data man it's, it's, not, it's the data don't blame us yeah it wasn't me it wasn't me right. so, <laughs> so let's let's get the muffins right so muffins of Morgan started as an accident. So April, I got LinkedIn Live. 
And I was like, all right, like I want to use this. Obviously, the pandemic's happening. People are at home. We need something to provide motivation and give people insights. So I tested it on Saturday morning because I was like, ah, no one's going to be on it Saturday morning. So I'm testing and then people come in and they start asking questions. And I literally had in the heading test, like guys, <laughs> I'm not here to answer questions, but people are like, no, no, I won't. All right, fine. So we were there for like an hour and a half, like answering questions, like, mm-hmm. and I wasn't planning to do it. And then I was like, all right, does everybody want this moving forward? And people were like, absolutely. We want to be a part of this. And so I called it Muffins of Morgan. I like muffins. And so I was like, all right, let's just do it. So at Saturday, 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, since April, I have been doing a live. Now, I transitioned over to Twitch because I wanted to try a new platform. Mm-hmm. And that's just, I always want to be innovative and trying a new thing. So that's that's a different conversation. But at the end of the day, weekly, we're answering questions from the audience. We're getting into their sales tactics and techniques, getting very personal with them. We've had people come on live on video and ask their question too. Mm -hmm. We've had, I know he's been on the podcast, James Buckley Mm -hmm. has been part of Muffins of Morgan. So he's been, uh, he's been involved. And then also what we do that's been really helpful for the audience. And it goes back to time is we'll bring executives on and we'll go through their emails and their LinkedIn emails and messages Mm -hmm. and give them grades. Like, Hey, and we we block out the names and stuff like that, but we'll say, Hey, uh, yeah, that was a C why, or that was an F why. So it gives the audience perspective on, okay, wow, I'm writing emails like F I need to change it. Or, Oh, that was an a, this is how I can be high quality to someone who gets tons of emails. So that's what Muffins and Morgan has been. It's getting it. getting really involved in the community and going live. And I didn't see a lot of people doing it. I know that you do some of that as well, but mm-hmm. I just didn't see a lot of people doing it. I was like, all right, cool. Like I'll just, I'll go live. Yeah, you wanted to go morning. I went the evening. I just went. To, I did the sales after dark in the evening. Uh, and that, yep. by the way, that was that was as a result of the pandemic as well, right? Because I said I got to do something, uh, and mm-hmm. I launched it in May. And I was like, got, like you, I said I got to do something. And the engagement has been incredible. The 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 boomerang effect has been very financially rewarding, you know, to say the least. <laughs> yep. And I'm sure for you guys as well. I, so I, I love the fact that you actually do live stuff because I don't do enough of that. And I think going in and analyzing things, I think that's just brilliant, man. I think it's just smart. I should tell, by the way, I use a, um, uh, a platform called Restream. I don't know if you see Restream.io. Yeah, I use I use Restream. Yeah, I love it because then you can put it on Twitch yep. as well. And so I love the fact that you're yep. right there, man. I'm trying to keep up with the young folk, man. That's what I'm trying to do. <laughs> I'm trying to keep up with the young folk, man. Hey, you're doing, you're doing a good job. You're doing dude, a good job. Dude, I'm, I'm old school. You know what it is? I refuse to outsource my technology, like learning stuff. Like I, I do, I can do the editing, I can do graphics, I can do the whole thing. So that's what I just try to keep up with you guys. Cause you guys are like, it's second nature to millennials, Gen X is like, God dang it. These guys just, <laughs> you know, go quickly. Right? So, so now, now talking, so, so you're doing all this stuff. Tell me about how you got involved with uh, my man and your man, John Barrows at his training uh, company. Yeah. So it was going back to what we've been talking about is through video. But, but it's, but it's a certain reason, like, just like you did, he saw the videos like, oh, that's cool. Mm -hmm. Awesome. But never reached out to me about like the series. He -hmm. always just knew it was cool. Awesome. Whatever. So when I created a video, which is on my YouTube profile now, it's the main video if you go there and it's the five reasons that helped me get promoted to an SDR manager. So this is after 12, 13 months of being an SDR. And I walked through the five things that helped me get P 
promote it. And so the five things, if anybody's wondering, if just for a quick synopsis, do it, do it. Is, is, is number one was being organized with your time and talk about time management and learning to say no, which we're all continuously getting better at. But as a rep, you need to know, okay, if I do 30 minutes of this, like, what does that mean? If I do an hour of this, what does that mean? And so I talked about the time management piece. By the uh, way, number I, two, I, I, I'm going to test yeah, go this time management because, you know, it was hard to get Morgan on the Sales Influence podcast. I first had to get his <laughs> boss. Then I had to get James Buckley. I had to get two other people from the company just to build enough momentum to, for Morgan to say, you know what? All right, I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it. Baby. I, got, I, got, I got one of those lukewarm responses. Yeah, sure, man. I'll do it, man. Whatever. <laughs> you know, it's, it, it's just, this is funny. It's good to note this before I go to number two, is that I always feel like slightly bad about how I reply to people like on uh, messages because there's uh, I'm going like this yeah. and I'm like dang I might have come off as like not no, as excited did. as I really am. <laughs> no, no, you were you were you were man. I'm just messing with you, man. You, you did all right. You did no, all right. I know, I know you, but but I'm saying as a, as a whole because some I like literally respond to people and be like that sounds great and they're like they're like wait you didn't there's a little bit what more you can say yeah. that is like no I'm just moving fast like I yeah. got time blocks I, I got to go through. So. I love it. I love it. <laughs> no, I know you just couldn't know. But so number two is the ability to adjust. And what I mean by that is knowing when to pivot. So a lot of people got lapped or they fell by the wayside. We, we're not going to hear from them ever again because they just weren't willing to pivot or didn't know how to pivot last year. Yeah, I mean, more like, I'm talk, always willing to do it. Talk, talk about that a little bit, man. I've seen, you know, okay, so I'm, I'm going to bring up a very, very sensitive subject. More for me than you, by the way. The I, I'm a little older than you, right? Just a tad. And I see a lot of people in my age band, if I can put it that way, who are who are still doing the same things, talking about the th same things in selling, that simply don't work. I mean, I'm old school. I came from. I mean, I came up through spin selling, Mac Cannon, consultative selling. You know, Millerheim, all that stuff. But even I realize, okay, that's not working anymore. Chuck that mm -hmm. book because it's not working anymore. You know, what is it that you, that you see when you look at some of the? I'll just say the older salespeople. And we're not, we're not, by the way, we're not, we're not, we're not uh, you know, throwing them under the bus. It's just that you see a lot of people stick to some of the old stuff. And this goes to mm -hmm. your point about making adjustments. You know, what's your perspective on that? So this is it in a nutshell, mm -hmm. is that I don't get married to a channel. I get married to the process. What I mean by that is I don't get married. Oh, that's how I did it 20 years ago. So that's it. That's all I got. Mm. Or, hey, I did that three months ago and that's all I got. Mm -hmm. It's I'm so focused on the process of what works now than what worked two, three years ago. I think a lot of that has to come down to, and I did for everybody, is that, hey, I did this thing. My ego's like, hey, look, this is it. I don't want to learn anymore. I'm good. This works. You better do it or or not versus, you know what? I am a student, a scholar of the game. These are things that worked for me in the past. I'm willing to move forward. And it really comes down to the conversation with yourself. Like, are you willing to learn these new things or you're gonna end up getting lapped? There's a lot of people in actors and athletes, et cetera, that are, hey, this is the way that I do it. And they don't evolve. Right. And so a lot of teams, they're not successful because they're not able to pivot, make adjustments. I think the best example of this is if you look at Michael Jordan 
And it's some of you all probably have all watched The Last Dance. So in The Last Dance, he talks about it. Hey, look, the Pistons are beating me up. So if he just decided not to get Tim Grover and to not work out and to not change the way he plays, mm -hmm. he probably wouldn't have won six championships. He would have won at some point, mm -hmm. inevitably. But would he have gone 6-0 and in the finals? I don't think so. But he was willing to adjust to be like, you know what? I need to get in the gym. Like, I need to get mm -hmm. bigger. And also, I need to start having some teamwork. I need to start passing the ball. Like, I'm scoring 36 points a game. Cool, but I'm not winning. So now I got to do something different. And that's the, that's the issue is that most sellers are like, oh, well, I don't want to do video because, like, that's uncomfortable. Like, mm -hmm. I'd rather go face to face. Well, you can't do that. You know what? I, I don't want to learn LinkedIn. I'd rather just send out emails. Well, what if someone doesn't like emails? There's more emails getting mm -hmm. sent out. And it's 37% reply rates have gone down because of what's happening. So if you're not willing to change, then you're going to get lapped. And like, it is what it is. But <laughs> you, yeah. that's what happens when you get married to the channel, not the process. Yeah, I think you you, you slipped in a word again very quickly on me, but I, but I caught you again. It's ego. Because I think that's yep. where it begins. I think you 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 ha you have to be you know you know that phrase your ego is not your amigo type of thing, right? And so <laughs> yeah. and so I have to, for example, one of the things I, I've trained myself to do, and this is how I really found you, because I told myself I don't want to be the fifty year old guy at the disco. Do you know what I mean? I know these are two old phrases. I get it. <laughs> I, get, I get it, brother. Yep. I, I get it. But but you know you don't want to be the old guy that's still going. That is what I used to do back in the day. This is how you did it. You know I don't, I don't want to nope. be that guy. So I, I told myself I made a conscious effort, and I still do to this day to watch. I'll just say either young people or anybody who has content doesn't have to be young. I, there's some real like badass old people out there. Uh, yep. You know you look at the people who do the challenger sale, Brent Adamson, some guys up there who are just killing it. But I said you know I got to watch what who's in front of me older than me are doing and then the guys behind me coming up and then what are they doing and i'm i'm finding that i'm 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 really enjoying listening to guys like you whether it's james mm -hmm. buckley somebody else you know what you guys are saying and i and i really think it's really insightful i think more salespeople who who think they know it all should listen to guys like you that's my point uh, i i appreciate it yeah <laughs> all right give me number 3 we got time management second we got to adjust what's number 3 man yeah so number 3 is the willingness to ask for feedback. And I and I said that because when I first started as an SDR, I thought I knew everything, which I understand, right? When I do training and coaching, you come in like, oh, I got it. And it's like, well, you just started. How do you how do you have it? Right. But that was also that was me. So like I get it. We all start off the best. By the way, right? Like, ah, I'm the best. All sales, yeah, I'm the best. You know, nobody, nobody can stand near me. Really, I know what I'm doing. I, I'm starting out the gate real hard. I got this, man. I got. Leave me alone. Right? You're a salesperson. If you, if you talk to yourself like that, you're a salesperson. Yeah, exactly. So, so I, I got I got humbled because I didn't hit quota the first three months, and like it pretty much was like, yeah, if you don't get it together, you're out of here, right? Yeah. So, I took a step back, and then I started being more proactive to reach out for feedback. So, and that was internally. So, top reps, what are you doing? Right. Like, yeah. what are you doing that I'm not? And it was like little things. It was like the way that they did their process in a sales engagement tool called Sales Off. So it can help you manage your task and send out your emails if so as you don't know what it is. So I was like, okay, there's different things I'm doing here. Time management. So I was actually so bad at time management when I first started. I was just kind of mm -hmm. like, whatever. Then I met with a rep and they were like, no, like I got time blocks for everything. I was like, all right, cool. I need to start doing that. Then someone was teaching me on how to write emails because I'm not a great writer. So I was like, oh, that's really cool. And so I just took all these tips from people and then created my own essentially Frankenstein of prospecting. Mm -hmm. And then I took that information 
to then do it myself and figured out how, what is my style? And then that's when I started to really see results. And then I was asking for feedback in other departments. So I took it to a new level. I went to customer success. I went to marketing and got their feedback on what was happening in the business. And I would also send my cold calls to my manager. The one of the reasons I got really great at cold calling and like I can do it you got, by the way, any company. You got, you got, you got some serious balls, man. I'm telling you, because it's like, I'm going to send my cold calls to my manager. Dude, this is like the epitome of putting your ego aside. Like, look, go ahead, sling your best at me. Go ahead, come on, give it to me. Hey, I love it. I love it, Let's man. go. Let's go. I would send every single call to him for like eight months until Dude, like I you're, nailed you're it. crazy, man. You're crazy. But go ahead. <laughs> I love and it. So, but that's but here's the thing though. When people are like, oh, like, can you really cold call? I'm like, yo, ask my manager, ask my reps. Like, I was in there making 80 to 120 calls a day. Like, and this is B2B SaaS. We're not in, you know, back like we're not like on Wall Street or like insurance. Like B2B SaaS, 80 to 120 calls a day. That's how many calls reps make a month now. Mm-hmm. So when I say we were making cold yeah. calls, like we were getting after it. And we created a culture of that. And before I go to point four, it's because if you weren't making 820 cold calls, like you were getting made fun of. And not like in a harsh way, but it was like because we were so committed to growth and mm-hmm. excellence on that team, like we were just getting after it. and we made it fun. We made it engaging. But it's to the point like. Yeah, I was proactively sending my calls to my manager and he'd give me feedback. We would huddle up every single day. And that's how I got great at cold calling. That's why I'm able to really coach and like understand it. But that, that, that gets back to what you said earlier about, you know, when you talk about the second part, which was adjustment, is that you got to put your ego yep. aside. And that, that really that's does it. require, if I could say it again, a lot of balls to just say, you know what? I'm going to get feedback from people. I'm going to let them just sling me down. You know, I'll show them my video. I'll let them listen to the, the call track. And that's really, because yep. sometimes it's hard to listen to that stuff. And I guess mm. I want people listening to this go realize that's what Morgan went through to be the best. Do you know what I mean? And that's what they need to do if they're struggling. So I love that. Yeah, and, and before, before I go on that point, it's to amplify, right? Is don't be a blockbuster. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, like just, stay Netflix. Stay Netflix. Let's stream. Right? Yeah, but I they mean, had a chance. They had a chance to buy Netflix. They had a chance. 15, 15 like, million. I think it was 15 million. The guy laughed at him like, yeah. Who and it's, but you know, it's, it's, you know, it's funny because I came from the telecom industry. It's unintended consequences. Mm-hmm. They got lucky because the broadband infrastructure was being put in place. But sometimes it's, it's timing, right? You just keep doing something. You adjust, you adjust. The fact that Blockbuster didn't see that, shame on them because I think they were again, yeah, focused on their, their market only. Let's grow this business. Yeah, exactly. And it goes to the last two points. So the fourth is the ability to be persuasive. And that's not like in a slimy or sneaky way. It's just really the understanding of articulating your points, understanding the customer, knowing that you have to handle objections. Most people in sales, they hear an objection, they, they flinch like, oh, okay, well, I guess I'll do that. Like, no, like if you have the right information, like have the willingness to ask questions, be curious. And that goes into that piece of genuine curiosity. Mm-hmm. So the, that four point was the ability to be persuasive and knowing how to command and drive conversations so everyone essentially can win at the end of the day, but you can't be a person that's just going to get rolled over when it, it comes in sales. And that's what helped me a lot when I was in SDRs, really not like challenging people in an aggressive way, but doing it in a thoughtful way and asking those questions. So would you put, and this is an important point you're making, because I think 
of all the points you made so far, I think this is where people really lose in selling. And that persuasive mm. aspect, when you talk about, I think you used the word command and drive, or some, some will say control, right? If you listen to the challenger yep. folks, but you're not doing it in a, in a, in a uh, an aggressive way or a manipulative way. You're like generally, as you say, curious as to why mm. they don't understand the value of your product or see the value. And so open that up a little, you know, you know, peel that back a little bit in terms of, do a lot of people actually understand the value of what they're selling? Because I think if they did, Morgan, they'd be more, mm -hmm. if we can use the word aggressive, in what they're saying. Well, how I see it is being more direct in Better what word. they're saying. Better right? word. Right? Because there's a difference between being direct and aggressive. Like, I'm Better very word. direct with people, but I'm not an aggressive person. Right. Like, no one would ever pin me as an aggressive. They're just not. But I'm very direct when it's like, hey, this is it. Now, to your point is in order to elevate your persuasiveness, to elevate and control, command, drive the conversation, however you want to pin it, is you need to talk more to your customers and clients. So it goes back to what I talked about with the SDRs and the personas. You're not able to be relatable because you don't know anything about them, yeah. right? You just know you're supposed to call these VPs of marketing. But this is a tip and tactic for everyone. Like you can go and talk to your clients and have a round table. Like I've done this before, like get five clients, have a round table with those five clients and ask them questions about what were you doing before you invested into our solution? What do you really like about our solution? Which piece of the solution really helps impact your business? How does it make your life easier, right? Would you recommend it to someone else and why, right? These are questions that most sellers never ask their clients, but they're right there. Right like, there. It's an right email, right it's, a, it's a phone call away. Like this isn't hard, it's not something hard to do, but that's yeah. what increases that persuasiveness. And once you understand why they've invested into your solution or service and you have those results, yeah, I'm gonna be 100% confident in all my conversations I'm having. And it gives you the talk tracks, a simple, hey, why did you buy from us? Just walk me through the process of why'd you buy. Yep. And it, be, it gives you one, I think, more confidence, but also gives you the talking points when you're talking to somebody else. So I'm with you. And by the way, you're right. Absolutely. I, uh, uh, direct is better than aggressive because I'm like you. You know, I think we're very similar to that. I don't like, I'm not the ABC guy. Always be close. I'm just no. not him. Uh, I didn't call this podcast a sales persuasion podcast because it, I thought it was too hard. I said, no, we influence. We don't push. We nudge, right? Just kind of nudge mm -hmm. them in a certain direction. So I love that, man. What's number five, man? Yep. And the nudge is all based on the questions, which I know that based on your whole work, you're about like, let me ask the right question to get them to think, let them move in the right direction. But it's that nudge, which is really yeah. important, right? Num number five is, I mean, everyone knows this, but it's you have to to be willing to work hard based on your goals. Mm -hmm. Now, this is, see, notice how I changed it up a little bit. It's not, hey, work hard. Because what does that actually mean at the end of the day? Because right. my work hard is completely different than Sally next door's work mm -hmm. hard. However, it's working hard based on your goals. If you want to be the number one rep, well, obviously you're going to be doing more work than the average rep. So you can't complain about the work you're doing. Right. And I'll give mm -hmm. an example. Like I was doing my Muffins of Morgan this past Saturday on Twitch. Everyone came by and I was showing people live what my calendar looked like. And someone's like, whoa, why are you working from 530 a.m. to like 7 p.m. at night? I was like, well, my goals are different than yours. Mm -hmm. And that's not, it's not that to say that I'm better than you. It's not to say that I'm elitist here. I'm just saying my goals are different. I know that if I do these things for the next five to seven years, my next 30 to 40 years will be a lot easier because I'm putting in the work now. Mm -hmm. So it's just two things. 
are you going to pay the pain of regret or the pain of discipline? I'm picking the pain of discipline right now. If you want to go with the pain of regret based on the goals you set and you're just chilling, that's cool. I mean, I'm not, I won't be mad at you. I'm just saying you need to know and look at your goals. Like, all right, I want to hit this number. Well, it's going to require this much work based on what I said earlier, your formula and numbers. I don't care what people say. Like sales is a numbers game at the end of the day. You need to know how many times you're reaching out a day, how many people you need to talk to, how many meetings you need to have. Like that's just point blank and simple. So you have to work hard based on your goals. If you're not working hard based on those goals, one is you need to do a, a self-assessment check to be like, uh, you know what? I don't want to really work that hard because of whatever reason. Or two, you need to change the goal based on your current work ethic. So Dude, that's I, the last point on that one. I, 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 love, I love what you just said because nobody talks about this. Nobody talks about, you know, I hate to use the, the Michael Jackson cliche, the man in the mirror type of thing. It's like, yep. should you be in sales? Do you do you have that honest conversation yeah. with you that maybe you don't want to go from five in the morning to seven thirty at night because maybe you really don't want this, you know? And have have you found that to be true in some cases where you've had to either talk people said you know maybe you shouldn't be in sales? Have you ever had to have those conversations with anybody? Yeah. So one. So this is a managing tip. So when I was an SDR manager and even as a mentor right now to multiple mentees, I asked them, Hey, how do you like your feedback? A lot of people don't ask this question. How do you like your feedback? Receiving feedback. Okay. So some people are like, you know, what? I want direct feedback. Talk to me straight. Cool. Some people are like, you know what? I don't, I don't really want direct feedback. Way, like, I'm, Morgan, I'm, you... I'm only laughing because people say I want direct feedback. You give it to me like, damn, why are you so direct? <laughs> But, but the thing is, like, if I don't come off as an a-hole, though, because, yeah, like, yeah. I asked you. Yeah. Right? So if you don't like that, then it's like, okay, you don't like that. Cool. Let's adjust. Yeah. Right? Because that does happen sometimes. But some people are very, like, you know what? I don't want direct feedback. Or, you know what? I want a visual. Or when you present feedback to me, do a chart. Right? Yeah. And give me a breakdown. Right? Everyone's different. But I ask that to understand where I can give them that feedback. And so the reason I, I'm saying mm -hmm. this is because I did have a rep in there, and I could tell that oh, they just weren't. Yeah. I can tell they just weren't feeling it. So I said, hey, you know, real quick, you told me when we first started off this relationship that you like direct feedback. So just, hey, out of curiosity, can I be direct with you real quick? So I let them know it's coming, right? I'm not just like yeah. out the gate, like, yeah, Yo, yeah. you suck, right? So, right, because that's not gonna work. They're like, yeah, you know uh, what, Morgan, I did say that, what do you got? And I'm like, hey, look, so. You're like, you know, you're I, like, I feel like I'm picking up the gun. I'm cocking the gun. It's coming. I'm just preparing right, the gun. Right. It's like, all right, hold on. You know, like, give me a second yeah, here. Right? That click, that video game click. All right, got it. Now, here's the question. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Right, yeah. right in the crosshairs. Yeah. So, <laughs> so we're here, and I'm like, so, like, I feel, and this is important. I don't say like. I don't put it on them. I always say, I feel. Mm -hmm. So this is just actually just life advice mm -hmm. that I got from someone, a mentor. When you, when you're like, ah, there's like a, you're just not feeling it from the other person. Mm -hmm. You don't say that, hey, it's you, 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 you. Cause yeah. it's like, it's accusatory. accusing them. Yeah. Right. You just say, I, hey, this is what I feel. Like, I feel like you're not really into this role and sales might not be for you, which is completely fine. Right. This role is exploratory, especially as an SDR, right? So if you want to go into marketing or custom success, I know those leaders, I'm happy to do an intro, or maybe you want to go to another industry and that's cool too. I'm here to support you. So like, where are you at? Right. And then now that person can be like, you know what? Hey, look, I, I really enjoy sales. 
I just feel like I don't have the right talk track. Cool, let's work on your talk track. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I feel like I don't have the right accounts. Okay, so you just have a problem identifying the right people. I can help you there, right? But if it's like, Morgan, I'm not feeling it and I'd rather be in marketing, cool, let's start having the conversation mm-hmm. because it's not gonna be helpful for both of us. You're miserable. I don't know where to direct you. And it's this relationship's not gonna go the direction that we want to. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm I'm I have those direct and open conversations with people. And even as a rep, I'll tell you all this as well, is be willing to have those conversations with your leaders. Like I'm very direct with John saying, hey, you know, this right here, I'm not feeling this. This is what I would like to do more of, right? And now that creates a place for them to find out what that is, but they can't read your mind, right? Like, yeah, I, I can't I love that. figure that out from a rep. I, I, I love that because I, and I think like, I'll just say young people, just, you know, and that's yep. a compliment. Young people need to hear this because they don't know this enough. And that is, it's okay, literally, listen carefully. It's okay. It's okay to ask for help. Specifically, as you pointed out, if I, I, I feel like I don't have the right talk tracks, can you help me with that? You, there's there's nothing that undervalues you when you ask for help. The worst thing is to continue to do stupid things, not ask for help, and then later on wonder why you got fired. And so I, I'm glad you emphasize because I think that's important. And I know we got to wrap up more. I want to be respectful of your time, but I got to ask you one big question. Um, I'm seeing a shift that I want to see you get your perspective. You know, the pandemic has kind of revealed um it's kind of lifted up the rock where you can now see the worms crawling underneath and everything. Bad analogy, but you get the idea. <laughs> The SDRs were always inside people, you know, always making the calls. They were into it, right? They were virtual already. But then you had mm-hmm. field reps, AEs, people in the field who weren't there, right? They just got the you know the, the sales qualified lead, and they were off and running. What are you seeing now? Are you you know what do you see? I don't want to put any give you any biases here. I just want to see what you're seeing. Right. What are you seeing with that dynamic now? SDRs, people who are no longer in the field are now inside. Mm. What's going on there? Yeah, so it goes back to what we talked about, the ability to adjust, right? And how these five guidelines lead into everything that I believe. And it's the reason that John aligned with me in that video to go back to that point is because those are the same values that he had. Values are incredibly important when hiring people and working with people. Mm-hmm. You could be as skilled all day long, but if we don't have the same values, like I don't even want to do anything with you, to be mm-hmm. honest. So it goes back to, it goes to my point here. So from an SDR perspective, what's changed is that now you need to have time management skills. Most SDRs probably aren't living in an apartment by themselves. They probably have two or three other roommates. So you're making cold calls and your friend over there is chilling on the couch. <laughs> and they're like, wait, what? Why are you chilling? Like yeah. I'm making cold calls and you're not you're not really doing anything. Yeah. Right. I'm not like knocking people, but like that's this real scenario right now. So now you have to even be more disciplined than you were before. And two, you don't have that energy mm-hmm. in the office that an SDR typically has during a cold call blitz and now everyone's fired up and saying your name. You you don't have that. So your your level of discipline is different now. And you have to do things in a unique way. You have to learn how to engage yeah. and prospect people on LinkedIn because now it's more active than it was when I was prospecting. You have to understand video. I I say it a lot. I don't say it to be funny, but like it, it's a true statement. You have to get better at video, which then pivots right into what happening with sellers right now. And if you were in the field or you were even in an AE. So to parlay that point, actually, SDR should get better at understanding how to sell, 
not just prospect. Because if you can understand both, it makes you a very dynamic and powerful rep. The top reps that I know at big companies, they prospect their own business, they have an SDR supporting them, and they're really great at driving conversations and uncovering use cases and pain points to close deals. Like top reps are all doing that. If you're not doing it, might not be the reason why you're not a top rep. So let's go to the AEs. Number one is a lot of AEs that were in person are really comfortable meeting that person at an event in the office and now you don't have that. So you're like, I don't wanna get on video, which to me doesn't make sense Mm -hmm. because you're willing to meet someone in person Mm -hmm. that you don't even know, right? Mm-hmm. But you're not willing to get on video. I never looked at it that way. <laughs> I got to be honest. I never. So you just said that. I go. Yeah, you're right. Why? This should be actually easier. That's funny. It makes no sense to me. People are like, oh, I'm, I'm afraid. I'm like, okay. So you go to an event, and you're talking to people who don't know you. It's it's the truest form you have. So if you if your energy's off, because I could read your energy mm-hmm. even more in person, which we don't talk about energy mm-hmm. enough in sales. Like if your energy's off. Uh, yeah, I probably don't want to talk to you, but it's, but they're not going to feel it as much with video. They're still going to feel it, but not as much. So that logically makes no sense to me. People say, Oh, okay. Like video, I'm afraid of it. It's like, but you meet people in person. You don't even know you go on a date and you probably have never talked to this person before, but we're not willing to put on our video again, makes no logical sense at Mm -hmm. all. So number one is getting better at communicating with video, how you're articulating your points, seeing the customer's eyes so that you can get a real reaction. Be like, am I saying the right thing or not? Mm-hmm. Right. As I'm guiding them through the demo. And number two is it's going to save you lots of time and you're going to be healthier. I can confidently say I'm probably the most healthy I've been in a long time. Cause I'm not on the road every single week. Right. I'm not in events at the happy hours drinking. Right. Like I'm, like, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not missing it. I'm not missing the plane travels. I'm not, I gotta be honest. Right? I'm not. Yeah, I'm just way more health. I'm just better, right? Holistically, right? I can listen to more podcasts. I can do more things like gaming that I don't ever get a chance to do. So my lifestyle is just different and I'm still producing at a very high level, right? And number three, I know as we wrap up here, is what I'm seeing is a lot of people are so used to the in-person conversations. Mm -hmm. They're so used to meeting people in their office or the way that they sell without having video on is they're also not willing, like like we just talked about it, to learn new things. So are you open? Because now you have to prospect, right? It's harder to get the business. So it's being more proactive, like, okay, maybe I need to learn how to do some LinkedIn prospecting. Maybe I need to learn how to write emails differently. Maybe I even need to pick up the phone again. But what I did when I was prospecting my business by myself back in the day, I need to pick that up again. And I need to learn the skills of how to prospect in a modern world, which a lot of people miss. They know how to prospect, you know, 23 years ago, but it's different. You got to understand how to prospect in a modern world. So those are my points there. That's what I'm seeing. And hopefully someone takes that and they're like, you know what? I got to shift up a little bit to get some results. They got to they level up, man. And, and I think you're right. The whole prospecting in modern times. Morgan, where can they find more information about you, man? Yeah, so... Level up. You mentioned it. So I have a new podcast called the one up formula and what it's on is, and we'll have some more salespeople coming on soon, but I'm interviewing CEOs, founders, innovators on what they do outside of work to be successful in their career. So you're learning about yoga, meditation, 
like different types of experiential learnings you can do to be successful during this time. Because I believe that yes, the tactics that we talked about today are important, but it's also your mindset and how you treat yourself as a person holistically and how you grow to be successful. So go check out that podcast. And if you got questions, hit me up on Instagram or LinkedIn at Morgan J Ingram. All right. Love it, man. Anyway, that is it for the Sales Influence Podcast. Leave me some feedback on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Pandora, wherever you find me. Then once you do that, you go check out Morgan Ingram. Check out his content. Look for his content. I'm telling you, you will not be disappointed. And after you do that, check out the Sales Velocity Academy, 50 courses, 500 videos. And on that note, this is Victor Antonio with Morgan Ingram, always reminding you, selling ain't hard when you know how. Take care. 